بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to MISC Women's podcast series Left or Right? The Straight Path, Please! My name is Omar Abdullah and I'm happy to welcome you back to another episode, inshallah, where we will be concluding our study of Surat al-Fatiha, or more importantly, the key concepts in Surat al-Fatiha, because there is so much that has been written about it and experienced with it that we could go on for a very, very long time. However, our point is to really understand what is Surah Al-Fatiha telling us and what do we need to know about it and how do we need to respond to its message. That's our point here, what we're really trying to extrapolate and understand and explicate from this incredible Surah. And therefore, establish for ourselves a sound framework paradigm, worldview, whatever you want to call it, but our way of understanding the world, who we are, what we're doing here and how to live. And this is really our main point because we need to have that firmly fixed and established so that we're able to navigate our way through the challenges of contemporary life. So that's why we're looking at Surat Al-Fatiha from a conceptual point of view, also to use our minds to be able to look at things conceptually, to be able to understand and get a good summary of what's going on conceptually so that we'll know, hmm, does that match with what I know about Surat Al-Fatiha? If I'm looking at those people and their ideas and their ideologies and they're going on that way, what do I know about Surat Al-Fatiha and how can I compare what I know conceptually with what I'm able to conceptualize what's going on over there and then make your judgment and your choice about how you're going to deal with that. And will you jump on that bandwagon or will you stay firm and fixed and heading towards your goal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, firmly fixed on Asirat al-Mustaqim, on the straight path. Inshallah, we're going to look at the second part of Surah Al-Fatiha today. First of all, we will begin, as is our ada, as is our usual, with the dua for seeking knowledge from Imam Haddad, rahimahullah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alamu wa ta'alim. Wa tadhakura wa tadkir, wa nafa' wa al-intifa' wa al-ifada wa al-istifada. والحث على تمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى All praises to Allah, Lord of the worlds. I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to call to guidance and direct towards good, thereby seeking the countenance of Allah, his divine pleasure, closeness and his reward, the most exalted and high. Amin. In the last couple of episodes, we have been looking at the ontological reality of the human being. 
and this is divided into two parts. Number one, the involuntary journey, which we have gone into in some detail, which is expressed in the first half of Surah Al-Fatiha. And then we looked at how Imam Haddad, uh, Rahimahullah, the great scholar from Hadramaut, how he understood that and conceptualized it into five distinct stages of existence. And we had quite a look at that in the previous episode at what is contained in each of those five stages. Today, inshallah, we're going to look at the second part of Surah Al-Fatiha and at the second and corresponding part of our ontological reality, which is called the voluntary journey, Asayr al-Ikhtiyari, the journey of choice. Also, in this episode, we will be looking at the different knowledge which is contained in Surah Al-Fatiha, and this we will touch on briefly because it's so vast that it really needs an entire series of lessons or podcasts or lectures or something to try and deal uh, with it sufficiently because all we're able to do here really is just give it a mention, a very brief mention, because our goal for this podcast is is to look at the key concepts and hopefully to have those key concepts manifested in our hearts and therefore on our limbs so that we're able to navigate our way through the many challenges that contemporary life presents us with. So whilst we're going to look at the core concepts of the voluntary journey here, how that all comes into being and how do we choose and what do we do and what are the issues that we need to navigate, that will of course be the content of further episodes, which is what we're trying to do here. So here we're really establishing our basis. I think it's clear that the most important aspect that needs to be established is our comprehension and conceptualization of the involuntary journey. Because if we don't have a clear idea of who we are and what we're doing here, then the next stage, which is the voluntary journey where we make our choices, it's not going to be as fulfilled or as complete as it could be if we don't understand the purpose of those choices and the the very thing that those choices need to correspond with, which is knowing deep down that we're here on this involuntary journey and that we've been created here to worship God. So if that's not clear and solid and the foundation upon which a person bases their concept of their ontology, of their uh, ontological reality, or basically what that means is just a big fancy word for their existence, then the choices that a person makes are not going to have the same impact on their life because they haven't fully understood with their intellect what it is that they're doing here and why. We had a look at Surah Al-Fatiha, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, from the beginning. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay, that's where we got our core concepts about who Allah is and his essence, his attributes and his actions. We understand from that about praise, about Alhamd, and we understand that there is Allah and the rest of creation of which we are a part, a contingent and non-necessary part. And we know that Allah is the sovereign of the day of judgment, which is where our journey is indicated because that's where we're going. Okay, now we go to our next part. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. 
صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين Okay, so what we're looking at here is ourselves in relation to Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us that we are separate from him, that we are a creation of his. However, he has not left us here on our own. No, what he has left us here with is these most important du'as where we say and recognize who we are compared to him and we say, Iyaka na'budu. It is you that we worship. And it's very interesting that in Iyaka na'budu and Iyaka nasta'in, it is you from whom we seek help, and then Ihdina, guide us. That in those three constructions, that Allah is always put before ourselves. Because when we say Iyaka, we're actually using a grammatical construction which singles out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So it's saying it is you alone who we worship, you alone that we seek help, and ihdina, you guide us. Okay, so the whole time what we're doing is showing our deep neediness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the realization through that neediness that we cannot exist here without him and that he is the one who keeps us here, who sustains us, and is the only one who's able to guide us. Imam Ghazali says that Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in is actually comprised of two major aspects. The first of them is al-ibadah, which is the worship. It, oh Allah, it is you alone who we worship. And he says that this is worship with ikhlas, with sincerity. And that that really is the ruh, that that is the spirit of the siratul mustaqim, which is coming up next. And he says also the second part is itiqat, which is the belief aspect, because it's knowing that nobody else other than Allah deserves to be worshipped. And that that is actually the essence of tawheed. And when a person realizes that not only is Allah the only being worthy of worship, but that his whole being and his existence is contingent on Allah, then he realizes that he's actually completely and utterly powerless. And this is the most important aspect because when it says, so when we rely on you and we seek only help from you, then we're recognizing what is expressed in another ayah, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ أَنْتُمُ الْفُقَرَاءُ إِلَى اللَّهِ Wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. That, O oh, you people, you are the poor ones to Allah. And Allah, he is the one who is free of need and the one who is praised. When a person steps away from that, when they think to themselves that I don't need to rely on Allah, then what they're doing is becoming arrogant. And that is the absolute opposite of the Siratul Mustaqim. So when a person thinks that they're free of Allah and they are free and that they can be independent um, and that they are the master of their own destiny and that they create their own choices and that they are the ones who are able to will into being what they want to because they did some 
online self-development and life coaching program with someone who filled their head with a whole bunch of things about how you can go out there and make your world and your reality however you want, then what they're doing is moving away from the essence of ikhlas, which Imam Ghazali said is the core component of worship, and they are beginning to think that somehow they are not needy. But not being needy to anyone or for anything is a state which is only a state that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can actually have, and that's a part of his essence. He doesn't need us. His existence is not contingent on anybody else's or anything else's, whereas ours is. And the more we know that and the more we realize that, then inshallah we've manifested deeper for ourselves this concept of being on an involuntary journey and inshallah that will help steer us towards seeking the right choices for our voluntary journey. So then when we ask Allah, we're asking him to guide us to the straight path. And Imam Ghazali says that when Allah guides you to the straight path, so when it is that you are traversing the straight path, what you're actually doing is traversing a path to Allah, which is a way of love. It's not a path of fear and despair and angst and anguish. It's a path of illumination and a path of mercy and a path of love. And this is very important because if our worship is something which doesn't generate within us love and mercy and compassion, then it's a worship which is extremely deficient and defiled. The Sirat al-Mustaqim is also characterized not only by love, but by two other core components, which are teskia, which is purification, and tahliya, which is adornment. And that's exactly what we're meant to be doing here, which is ridding ourselves of blameworthy qualities and of things which don't suit us on our path back to Allah and instead adorning ourselves and in adorning obviously it means the character so purifying one's heart and trying to develop and cultivate in oneself praiseworthy qualities and virtues and really this is what the essence of it is because when we ask for the siratul mustaqim what we're asking for is guidance to correct ethics and morals. And we're not asking to be left alone so that we can go and make our own choices and find out for ourselves by falling down the wrong hole and mixing with the wrong people and having a lifetime's worth of baggage of bad experiences. What we're actually asking for is that Allah puts us on a path which will take us back to him through our absolute dependence upon him and our, the fulfillment of our purpose to worship him so that we enable as much as we can our choices, our voluntary choices to be concurrent and to be matching and to be appropriate, to be sincerely, ethically and morally sound, that our choices should be virtuous choices, choices which encompass the meanings of purification and of adornment with that which is better and good and match this voluntary journey that we are on. This is the most important aspect that we need to really, really get into our heads, that we're not talking about, oh, how do I make bread or how do I build a house 
or should my car be electric or diesel? We're not talking about things on the surface level of life where we can make choices that don't have a moral or uh, an ethical aspect. What we're asking for is the correct guidance towards virtue and staying away from evil and guidance that will take us with a pure state to Allah so that inshallah when we do pass on into the barzakh into the intermediary realm then the next phase of our existence is the best possible one that it could be however we're here to be guided and how can we be guided and how can we not be left alone well not only does Allah guide us through our hearts and through ways of inspiration and knowledge and through the intellect and how he's made us as human beings but he's also put human beings here for us to be guides and that's exactly what sending the prophets is for over the entire span of human history there have been over a hundred thousand prophets that have been sent in order to bring people back to that straight path so as we know from the innumerable stories in the quran there are those who have gone off and thought that they were grand and thought that they could do everything and that they would never be destroyed or have gone off with wickedness and with corruption um, who have rejected the message and then the prophets are sent to repeat the message to them you're here to worship Allah this is what he's created you for and to bring them back and that's exactly who our leaders and those that we follow are so that's the next part where we ask Allah not just to guide us to the straight path but to guide us to so the path of those of whom you have blessed and that's the path of the Anbiya the Prophets the Siddiqeen, the truthful, the shuhada, the martyrs, and the salihin, those who are pious. And they are the best company. Now what this also does is bring us to two other major concepts, which is itiba, following, and ijtinab, which is to avoid something or leave something. Because when we ask for the straight path, we're asking for the path of those people, those who have successfully been able to merge their voluntary journey with their involuntary journey. And when we say, not the path of those who have earned your anger or gone astray. This is the avoiding part, the ijtinab part, where we know that there's a choice to be made and we don't want to make the choices of those who have earned your anger and gone astray. And in this day and age, there are so many examples of those who have earned Allah's anger and gone astray. That in fact, that's sort of the main point is to know which path to follow and which path not to follow. And summing it up in just one word or one phrase, we can say that they are the people that since they were created, Allah has not looked at again. And we know from the first night of Ramadan, we want Allah to gaze upon our hearts. That's what we ask for, that Allah should give us the divine gaze. And through that purifying gaze, that we should be uplifted and engage and become the most worshipful people that we can be through the month of Ramadan in order to be exposed to the divine breezes that come that month and inshallah that we should fast the month iman and wahti sabam with faith and knowledge that at the end whatever we've put forward of sins will be forgiven and inshallah that this is the greatest expiation for us 
and through Allah's mercy, he will reward us with the greatest reward because as he says, that fasting is for him and he will reward however he pleases, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we have our two concepts of following and avoiding, which are very important. Now, as I said, we could go on, but I want now to talk about some of the knowledge which is encompassed in Surah Al-Fatiha. And Imam Ghazali says that of the 10 fundamental themes which are in the Quran, eight are in Surah Al-Fatiha. These absolutely massive themes and concepts which, the, which are spread out through the entire Quran are all in Surah Al-Fatiha, except for two. The that, the essence of Allah, as-sifat, the attributes of Allah, wal-af'al, which is his actions. And dhikrul ma'ad, which is the mentioning or the remembrance of the return. So those four aspects are in the first half of Surah Al-Fatiha and they make up the content of the involuntary journey. Then we have as-siratul mustaqim, which the straight path, which is comprised of two elements, which is tazkiyah, of purification, and tahliyah, which is adorning with virtue. Then we also have dhikr ni'mat al-awliya, so the remembrance or the mention of the blessing of the awliya, of the saints and the pious people. And then the ghadab, so ghadab al-a'da, then the wrath for the ones who oppose that. Okay, so we could say the enemies if you like, but enemies can sometimes be a bit misconstrued, but those who oppose the straight path. And then there are two themes in the Quran which are not mentioned in Surah Al-Fatiha. The one is the Mahajatul Kuffar, which is engaging with non-believing people who are contesting the truth or the reality of prophethood, of divine oneness of Tawheed. So basically the people who want to argue and try and disprove it. So the way in which those people are engaged within the Quran is not mentioned in Surah Al-Fatiha. A lot of that comes in the stories of the prophets and also we know from the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ and from the reasons for the revelation of lots of the ayahs that a lot of that came about through uh, interaction with the mushrikeen, with the polytheists and people who were opposed to the message of Islam. The final one is ahkam al-fuqaha, which is the fiqh, which is the legal rulings. So those legal rulings in the Quran are not mentioned in Surah Al-Fatiha. But apart from those two themes, all the other themes of the Quran are in this most amazing surah. In addition to that, there are at least 14 other types of knowledge which are contained in Surah Al-Fatiha, some of which there is some crossover with those eight themes, eight Quranic themes, but which we can also expound upon in more detail and develop those concepts even further. The most important part is that we realize that when we look at the world through these core concepts in Surah Al-Fatiha of the involuntary journey and the voluntary journey and as we've mentioned also itiba which is following and ijtinab which is avoiding that we realize that there are two other overarching themes and that is that we have a goal and a path to that goal. And if it was that we didn't understand anything other than that, then we would have understood what is intended for us 
through the surah and through the daily repetition of the surah to really drive that meaning home to us, that we're going somewhere and we have a path and a way of reaching that place, inshallah. So when we know that we have a path in order to reach our goal, then that path has to be something that we can know. And so it's the knowledge in Surah Al-Fatiha, which we need to go into to really understand what does that path consist of and how are we meant to travel upon it. So Surah Al-Fatiha really summarizes for us the great worldview, the overarching grand narrative framework and worldview of our existence, as we have said. So if we look at these 14 big philosophical concepts contained in Surah Al-Fatiha, then we can see that more clearly. And I'm just going to mention them briefly. So we have, first of all, theology, which is the whole concept of God and Tawheed. Ontology, which is being and being that could be necessary, as in the case of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or possible or contingent in our case. So ontology there is the alameen. So we have Allah is a theology and ontology, al-alameen. So we have Rabbul alameen. Then we have cosmology, which is the cosmos or the universe. Again, the alameen, the worlds. Anthropology, the insan, the human being. So that's us in Iyaka Na'budu, that we worship you, Wanestain, that we seek your help, Ihdina, so guide us, and the path of those that you have, Aladina Anamta Alehim, so those people, those groups of people who have been blessed, and not those who have got your anger and gone astray. So there's a lot about there about the anthropology of the human being. It also contains eschatology, which is knowledge about the end of the cosmos and the beginning of a new reality. So that's indicated too by Maliki Yomiddin, the sovereign of the day of judgment. Then we have etiology, which is the study of causation, which is the study of how the originator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the moving cause in the cosmos so he is the one that brings everything into effect through his will and his power and his knowledge there's teleology which is about the final teleological cause which is the meaning and purpose behind the cosmos so it's you that we worship us being here is to worship Allah basically the meaning and purpose behind the cosmos then soteriology, which is the knowledge of salvation and deliverance. And this is the path of Aladina Anamta Alayhim, of the prophets, those who are truthful, the Siddiqeen, uh, the martyrs, the Shuhada, and the Salihin, the pious. So the Awliya and the prophets. Then it also looks at disposition. So the primordial, innate, natural and original disposition and inclination towards belief and faith in Allah. So again, that's iyaka na'budu. And also the covenant which the souls made with Allah, which goes back to these five stages of existence. So before we came into the world, as we mentioned last time, all the souls said then testified that Allah was their Lord and that the manifestation of that covenant is to come into this world and worship him. Then there's praxeology, 
which is the practice that leads to the desired goal. So this is the traversing the Sirat al-Mustaqim through worship and through understanding our neediness to Allah. And that practice which takes us to the desired goal, which is knowledge and love of Allah in this world and meeting and seeing him in the next world. So as Imam Ghazali said, the Sirat al-Mustaqim is a path of love. And meeting and seeing Allah in the next world, inshallah, is what Jannah is. That's the reward you get. And the greatest of that is to see the manifestation of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the Kathib al-Abiyad, the white dune. Surah Al-Fatiha also has narratology, which is the narratives and stories of the prophets and those who Allah has blessed, those who are upright and steadfast in truthfulness, the martyrs and the pious, the servants and those who lived in this world, but they didn't love this world. They were the abstainers, the friends of Allah, the righteous, the upright scholars, and the followers of the messenger. And there are three levels of narratology. There's the meta-narrative or the grand narrative, which is the huge march of history of the universe. There is macro, which is the whole beginning to end of existence. And within that, there are mini and micro narratives, which is human history, which happens on a global level or a national level or societal, community, family, and then going right down to the individual. And then the stages of life, again, that's another narrative, which is from the abode of the souls and ending again with the white dune. So all of that's contained in Surah Al-Fatiha as well. There's also the knowledge of allegory and parable, and the greatest of those is the straight path itself. So the greatest metaphorical and figurative image, which is used at least 23 times in the Quran, the Siratul Mustaqim. And inshallah, I would like to do a study of that, of every time the Siratul Mustaqim is mentioned in the Quran, and to go into what that means when it's mentioned there, um, from a linguistic and also a metaphysical point of view. The straight path, it guides and directs people towards the goal, which is Allah, by being constant and steadfast through following those who are our guides, which is the prophets and the truthful and the awliya, and the shuhada, etc., um, to reach Allah and to know and love him in this world and meet him and see him in the next. It also contains a developmental history because Allah is a Rabbul Alameen and Tarbiyah is the process of nurturing, of bringing something from a stage of imperfection to a stage of perfection. So we have this Tarbiyah, this growth and development and Allah is the Rabb. So he is the one who brings us from a stage of imperfection and inshallah through our Istislam, through our submission and commitment and worship and traversing the Sirat al-Mustaqim, inshallah, we will finish this life in the most perfected form for us that has been written for us, inshallah. And that development and nurturing happens on all levels, cosmic, global, regional, national, communal, familial and individual. And also there is the tenmia, which is a growth which takes place through time and space, um, through history in the world and also through the celestial realm. So that's contained in Surah Al-Fatiha and historical studies. 
uh, again. So there's some overlap there. So we have big history, which is the history of the whole universe, small history, the individual stories and narratives, long history, again, from beginning to end and contemporary history. So every single generation will be able to look at those who have been blessed and look at those who have gone astray and see for themselves in their own time, in their own moment, their own fleeting moment in history, who are those people and what's the straight path for me now and what are the virtues and the ethics that I should be adorning myself with and what are the false ideologies and beliefs that I should be trying to rid myself of so that historical aspect is with us in every single moment. And really, I think the greatest statement that can be made about Surat al-Fatiha is actually reflected in the aspect of it which is the smallest. And that is that all of this knowledge, and all we've done is mention it, we haven't gone into anything in any depth at all, but all of this knowledge from the beginning to the end is contained in only 140 letters. And that's enough. If a person just thought about that, that would be enough to make you crumble in humility and humbleness and worship. And if we really understood that, we wouldn't lift our heads off the ground. And if we could worship Allah and be in sujood forever, that would never be enough to recognize and honor the fact that this entire knowledge of the universe and the creator and everything in it on every single level, in every single realm, at every single moment in time and space and history and is expressed to us in 140 characters. And that that's enough. That's enough. If we died now and we fully understood that, then we would have understood everything that we needed to understand. Inshallah, may Allah guide us to the Siratul Mustaqim. So we will leave it there and go back to a point that we've just made that the culmination of the Siratul Mustaqim then is to know Allah and to love him in this dunya and to meet and see his divine countenance in the Akhirah. And that everything that Allah has told us about himself in Surat al-Fatiha and everything that he has told us about ourselves and who we are as worshippers, as needy worshippers and people who are completely dependent on him and those who need guidance and who need people to follow and who need to know right from wrong in order to stay away from it and to make proper choices, that all of this is for the purpose of seeing the ultimate vision of Allah in the next life and that that really is our mission and our goal is to meet Allah in the best state and to have our voluntary choices align with the involuntary journey that we're on so that inshallah the life that we live and our understanding of it and the consequences of our actions inshallah will be the best and will be ones that when we are faced with looking at what's in our book of deeds and seeing our life flash by us when we stand before Allah, that within that there will be nothing that we are ashamed of and that we will know that Allah has encompassed us in his mercy and that inshallah he will encompass us in his mercy again and forgive us inshallah and enable us to move forward into the realm of paradise and witnessing his divine countenance inshallah.
So we ask Allah to give us tawfiq, to understand and manifest these massive concepts and enable us to move forward with good choices and sound choices and virtuous choices which are commensurate with and appropriate to the journey that we are on. وَصَلَّى Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.